Come on, give him a shout of praise. All around this building, online campus, give him a shout of praise. If you're online, Facebook, YouTube, whatever, you're online to praise. I, I want you to put a clapping emoji in the comment box, all right? Right there in the emoji thing, whatever it's called, put it in there in the comment box. God is good. God is good. And he is faithful. And he will never, ever let go. And there is nothing beyond his reach. Nothing. Nothing beyond his reach. Nothing beyond his reach. Nothing beyond his reach. Nothing. Y'all know the definition of nothing, right? beyond his reach and can I tell you what God cares about anything that matters to you I'm a dad which means that when my daughters can't find the Barbie's shoe I care enough to look for it we were driving in the car yesterday and Abigail said her shoe fell, the doll's shoe fell in the crevice of the thing. You know the first thing I went to do when they got out of the car? Move the seats to find it. Patty had to come get me and said, no, 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 she found it already. I was like, well, she didn't tell me, so I was looking for it. Because it was the shoe of her doll. So it matters to me because it mattered to her. And you know what? is one of the biggest lies that we fall trapped to. That's so small, I don't need to pray about it. Do you think that matters to God? It's, I'm, just, I'm just praying. We bought a new car this week. Um, we, need, we needed a new car. And um, when we bought Patty's car, whatever it was, five or six years ago, um, we only had two children. But the Lord said, be fruitful and multiply. Even though the doctor said I couldn't have kids, God gave us three. So um, the car is no longer comfortable for my three growing children. If you don't know my daughters, my 10-year-old is about this tall. Okay? She needs some leg room. Come on. She's got her daddy's legs, lengthwise at least. And so they keep telling mom, I don't fit, I don't fit, we don't fit. And so we started looking for a new car. And so um, we hunted, I mean, we, we, we test drove probably 20 different cars looking for the right one and all the different things. And uh, we, we decided on the minivan. Um, we called our brother Joel, works at, at the Toyota. We're like, Joel, we need to get, we're going to get the Sienna or whatnot. Y'all need to buy a Toyota, go hit Joel up. Um, but... Um, We went to the dealer this week, and um, it's funny is we, we, we get the call, we get the deal where whatever and we're we're gonna we go to the financing office um, with uh, uh, the gentleman that does the financing there, uh, Jonathan. Uh, he might be online. God bless you, Jonathan, and your family if you're online. Um, it was pretty funny because he comes up to me. He ca he came to meet me because uh, he's been watching service for the last several months or whatnot, because Joel has invited him. And he comes to the table, he's like, it's an honor to meet you. I feel like I'm meeting a celebrity. And I'm like, no, bro. 
I'm not a celebrity. You just watch me on TV because, you know, whatever, but I'm on, no, 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 no. But anyways, we're, we're looking for the financing. And so Toyota was offering 0% interest for 48 months. That payment's higher. 72, uh, or, or 60 months for 1.9% interest. And if you wanted to go a longer 72 months, it was 2.9% interest. But if you went with Toyota financing, you didn't get the extra $750 credit. Now, if y'all know me for any amount of time, if there's a credit, I'm going to use it. Okay? That's part of my blessing as a tither is that everything can apply. All right? So he says, you know, Pastor, if you, if you want to take that credit, you know, I recommend maybe you apply through a third party. You have excellent credit and this, that, or the other. And um, he goes, maybe you can get that same 2.9 if you want to stretch it out. You can get that same 2.9, you know, and then still apply the credit. So he's going to hit enter and my wife, my prayer warrior, my better half, she says, wait a second, let's pray. And, and he says, okay. And it was a very, very long prayer. God give us the right interest rate that we need. It was very simple. It was, I mean, it was like that. And the guy goes and he clicks it. And within a few seconds, it pops out. The longest amount of months, so 72 months to pay it off, at a 1.9% interest rate, so I could still get the credit. And this guy's been doing finance for years. And he looked up and he says, I've never seen this happen. And Patty looked at him and says, don't forget, we prayed. We prayed. You prayed before the fine. Yep, we prayed. And now my next prayer is that the finances are going to come sooner to pay it off faster. It's my next prayer. That's what I'm praying for. God, bring me continued finances. Continue the blessings. So we're going to pay it off faster. What am I trying to get at? Man, online campus, stay with me here. Everything that matters to you, every decision you go to make, everything you go to do, pray about it. Church, every decision you go to make, everything you go to do, pray about it. Every decision you go to make, everything you go to do, pray about it. Every decision you're going to make, everything you go to do, pray about it. Even so much so, if you've got a job interview tomorrow, when you go to get dressed in the morning, ask God what color tie to wear. Listen, God looks at the heart, but if that person that's going to interview hates the color blue, God can direct you to wear a red shirt instead of a blue one. So pray about it. About what? About everything. Everything. Come on, give God one more hand to please. That was awesome. Amen. Amen. I feel like I need a sip of water. Y'all, oh, I'm out of water. All right. Can somebody get me a water from my office? Thank you. He's got it already. Thank you. God is good. I'm excited. I'm excited about what God is doing because we serve a God that's faithful. And we serve a God that is a blessing, that blesses his children. And he loves you. And he loves me. And he never lets go. Ever, ever, ever. Never, never, never will he let go of you. Amen? Holy Spirit, have your way. Move in this place. As you've been moving, flow in this preaching. And let it be you, God. I remove myself. And let it be you that flows. Holy Spirit, flow in this morning. In Jesus' name. 
amen, and amen. Just throw it, just get it. Yeah, that's fine. All right, come on, man. I'm not a jet. I know how to catch. All right. I love you, bro. We're starting a new series today, and it's called Refresh. Say it this morning, Refresh. And I want to ask you a question. Have you ever felt done, depleted, empty, spent? Can't tell you how I... There is a telltale sign when this guy is beyond exhaustion and spent. And it said, I will just sit there and tears will stream out of my face. I have been at my kitchen counter and my wife will come up and say, what's wrong with you? And I'll say, I have no idea. And she says, you're exhausted. I'm a crier by nature. Like I, I'll watch a commercial. I don't even have pets. And I'll watch a commercial of Alpo and the dog running and whatever. And I'll be like, he's so cute, you know? We were watching Cheaper by the Dozen yesterday. We watched actually Cheaper by the Dozen and Cheaper by the Dozen 2 with our girls yesterday. And there was the point in Cheaper by the Dozen 2 where, where he's seeing his little girl go on her first date. And I'm crying. Patty's looking at me. He's like, are you crying? I'm like, I'm going to have three of those. <laughs> three first dates. <laughs> you know, <laughs> crying. And we're living in a time where people are beyond exhausted all the time. We're living in a time, as a matter of fact, I, I got to, you guys, I, I like to read stats and different things. In 1910, the year 1910, none of you that are here, maybe somebody online was born then, but none, no, I think the, lo, the oldest person alive right now is like 108, so they wouldn't have been alive then. So in 1910, the average person slept nine hours a night. Nine hours a night. As a matter of fact, that's what we do for our children, isn't it? Put our kids down by 7, 7.30 so that they can get up for school refreshed with about nine hours a night. Surveys in the last few years have shown that right now the average person is sleeping five and a half hours a night and wearing it as a badge of honor. I'm going to give you some more information here. Just stay with me there. Stay with me. Watch, watch, watch. Stress is a factor in five of the six leading causes of death. It is a factor in heart disease. It is a factor in respiratory illnesses. It is a factor in cancer. It is a factor in stroke. And it is a large factor in accidents. Accidents in the workspace, accidents driving your car. It is a factor in five of the six leading causes of death. This one, next one's going to stagger you. If you talk to doctors, 75 to 90% of doctor visits are stress-related. 75 to 90. I just met you today and you're an ER nurse. I'm sure you see it all the time. I got chest pains. I can't breathe. They check the echocardiogram. Everything is fine. It's stress. You can read hundreds and hundreds of stories about it. I'm as a fact, I'm, I'm going to give you a few more. Are you still with me on this? Okay. We're burning out as a culture and as a civilization. And I'm going to give you six warning signs of burnout or emotional exhaustion. Number one, 
if you have a sense of failure or self-doubt, this is a constant feeling of failure or self-doubt, you're at the brink of burnout. Here's the next one. If feeling of helplessness, trapped or defeated, that is a telltale warning sign of burnout or emotional exhaustion. Number three, detachment, feeling alone in the world. Nobody else, there's nobody else. I'm on this alone, I'm not the only one. It's a telltale warning sign. Number four, loss of motivation. I'm gonna give it to you another way. You get up and you don't wanna get up out of the bed. I'm just gonna stay here. I don't wanna get out of my pajamas. I don't wanna, I'm just here. We call it depression, it's a loss of motivation. It is a sign of exhaustion. Number five, if you find yourself increasingly cynical or with a constant negative outlook. It is a warning sign of exhaustion and burnout. And number six, decreased satisfaction or sense of accomplishment. You finish a project, it came out great, everybody's talking about it, and you say, nah, it wasn't that good. It wasn't to your satisfaction. Or it lasts for a minute, and you're on to the next thing, because you just, it didn't fill. Those are six warning signs. But church, I've got such good news for you this morning. It doesn't have to be that way. Right now, we are in the face of a global, global pandemic. It is a physical pandemic due to a virus. And we thank God that we are getting over the hump with people feeling better, with now the vaccine rollout, all the different things. We're getting over the hump. But can I tell you that over the last 15 to 20 years, we have been in an epidemic that is not a physical one that you can see, but is something that has been affecting people and is the fact that they are exhausted constantly. And it is causing severe health issues across the planet. I just gave you the stats, 75 to 90% of doctor visits related to stress. Five out of the six leading cause of death de de deals with this directly. But let me tell you, I've got the solution and I didn't come up with it, God did. So what does it mean to be refreshed or to refresh? If you're a note taker, and I hope you are, this is what it means to be refreshed or to refresh. Give a new strength or energy to, reinvigorate. That's the definition of refresh. Give a new strength or energy to, reinvigorate. Now, God's plan is better. And you know, I, I wanna start today this part of God's plan by reading something that we have all heard. As a matter of fact, it's on buildings all across the United States of America, even on federal buildings, and it's the Ten Commandments. I'm gonna put up the first three. Look at commandment number one. You all know the commandments, right? How many of you here know the Ten Commandments? I, I thought about asking people to recite the commandments, but I didn't want people to feel bad, so I just typed them up. So commandment number one is, don't worship other gods. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Number two is don't make graven images. No images. We are not supposed to, the Bible declares it, images of man or of people of the, above the earth, below the earth, nobody, no graven images. And number three, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Those are the top three of God's top 10 list, right? Ta-na-na, ESPN top 10, God's top 10. Don't worship other God, don't make graven images, don't take the Lord's name in vain. Now, as a side note, don't take the Lord's name in vain has multiple connotations. The first one is the obvious. People who use God's name, people who use God's name to curse. 
I remember I used to have a t-shirt that I bought um, when I was in high school at Florida Christian. Um, it was, uh, uh, oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on the guy's name. Uh, Ken Freeman, uh, Pastor Ken Freeman, he had all these t-shirts and he would come preach at, at, uh, at chapels and stuff and he would have shirts. And there was one shirt that said, God's last name ain't, damn it. Because that's what a lot of people say, right? God, blank. And I used to love wearing that shirt. God's last name ain't blank. That's one way of taking the Lord's name in vain. Here's another one. For them hyper-spiritual people that tell everybody, no, I got to tell you this because God told me this and God didn't tell you squad daily. You saw it on Facebook. I, you know what I'm talking about. I posted a picture of my wife by her new car with Joel. Somebody come up and be like, the Lord showed me you got a new car. No, it didn't show you. You saw it on Instagram, liar. Took the Lord's name in vain. Okay, that's another way of taking the Lord's name in vain. So that's one, two, three. Number five is honor your father and mother. Important. Honor your father and mother. Number six, don't murder. Number seven, don't commit adultery. Number eight, don't steal. Number nine, don't lie. Number 10, don't covet. Now, covet means don't envy what other people have. If you notice, I read you one, two, three. By the way, one, two, three, how we relate to God. Five through 10, how we relate to others. And I want you to say this with me. And if you're online, I want you to type it in the comment box. Are you ready? This is what I want you to say. This is my first point today. Remember the fourth. That was weak. One more time. Let me read to you commandment number four. Go to Exodus chapter 20. Commandment number four, Exodus chapter 20, we find the Ten Commandments, starting in verse number eight. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it, you shall not do work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Watch, I'm going to read it one more time because it, it preaches on its own, okay? Are you ready? I'm going to read it one more time. Starting in verse number eight. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do work. You shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and hallowed it. Come on, say this morning there's a better way. Remember the fourth. Now I want you to understand something. And this is the fourth, right there. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
eight words that'll change your life. If you count and you look at the 10 commandments, this is the commandment that has the most explanation, the most commentary. Okay? If you go in there, I, I, I heard somebody say that and I was like, oh, let me make sure it's true. I counted it. It's got one more line or sentence than the other ones. And I ask, why did God give so much commentary on this one? And you know what I think the answer is? He knew we would break it. He knew that we would come up with every single excuse under the sun, why not to keep a Sabbath? We're going to come up with it. Every single one of us with a million reasons why not to come up with it. Now, I, I wanna, I'm going to ask you this next question. Does anybody here or online know what the penalty for breaking the Sabbath was? Say it louder. Death. Breaking the Sabbath brought the death penalty. Got really quiet. Can I tell you something? It still does today. Not because somebody comes and kills you for breaking the Sabbath or stones you to death like we see in Numbers when the guy was going to gather sticks on a Sabbath day and they caught him gathering sticks. Imagine that. The guy was gathering sticks. And they brought him and they said, Moses, what do we do with him? We got him. He's a stick gatherer, man. And Moses said, let me, let me find out what the Lord says. The Lord had already given the result of it. And the Lord reminded Moses and said, he was working on the Sabbath. Take him outside the camp and stone him to death. Can I tell you that it still applies today? Not because we get killed for it, but because we're killing ourselves. Karoshi. Don't, I didn't sneeze, Okay. I was ready for somebody to say kazuntite. Karoshi is a word that was come up with in Japan in the 1970s. For a phenomena that had not existed, they couldn't understand it. There was not a word to describe it. As a matter of fact, this is something that's been going on. China has its own word for it. It's called like gulurasi or something like that. South Korea has its own word for it. Many Asian countries have started to develop words for it. And karoshi means this. This is the definition of it. Death by overwork. They were experiencing a phenomena all across these Asian countries of people dying because of overwork. One specific story that I read, this man was found dead at his desk, hunched over dead. He worked at a, uh, at a plant, uh, 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 not a, a botany type plant, but at a plant that prepared food or something or other. The guy worked on average 110 hours a week. Now, for you, if you have a hard time doing math, a work week is usually 40. 40 plus 40, that's two weeks, would be 80. This guy was working 110. So almost three weeks of work, he was working a week. This man, in order to accomplish this, has to work about 16 hours a day. They found him dead at his desk. He was only 34 years old. So can I tell you something? You and I are dying because we're not taking rest to be refreshed. But it's not because we are killed, it's because we're killing ourselves. 
I started by giving you medical statistics, 75 to 90% of doctor visits, five out of the six leading cause of death. Guys, we are in a global epidemic of not resting. And I'm guilty of this next statement. We say things like this. I've said it to some of you. I'll rest when I'm dead. Well, guess what, brother? You're going to get there a lot sooner than you should. I've said it. I told you very vulnerably, I've sat at my kitchen counter and told my wife, I don't know what's wrong with tears just coming out of my face. And she says, you are exhausted. Go to sleep. Get some rest. I went three years without taking a day off. Three years as a pastor. I went three years without taking a day off and I wore it as a badge of honor. Like we do. Gesundheit. Karoshi, you know. <laughs> we wear it as a badge of honor. I'm so busy, I can't take a day off. I can't afford to take a day off. I can't do, no, you are killing yourself and your family is gonna be left without a father or without a mother or without somebody because of the fact that we are not doing what God told us to do. As a matter of fact, aside from karoshi, in Japan, they've come up with a new term, which is called karojitsatsu. It's people who commit suicide because of the overwork. Guys, I'm not making this stuff up. You can go home and research. There's been books written about this, tons of books right now. And I've been guilty. I had to repent before God. I, I'm going to give you my excuse. I used to give myself this excuse because we put excuses for it. At that time, I was senior passing. I already had left my corporate job. If, the, if you don't know, we, actually this year we'll be celebrating our 10th anniversary as a church in August. But for the first four years of the church, I kept my corporate job for Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, going to different parts of the country, training teachers how to use technology in the classroom. Here in Miami-Dade County as well. That's what I did. That's, uh, I, I, that was my area of expertise and about four years in we got to the point where I was working 40 something hours for Houghton Mifflin and another 45 or 50 hours for 3W Church and we took the step of faith and I left Houghton Mifflin and went full time for the church for the first four years of the church I did not take one penny of salary from the church I wanted to in a very bad mindset I wanted to be able to keep a corporate job and let them pay me pay me to be able to do this without you know, the remuneration or whatnot. And my pastor had to talk to me and said, hey, you're wrong. Your job is to take care of yourself and study and prepare to feed the flock. So when that took place, I started working for the church but then I wouldn't take a day off because in my mind, my wife was a school administrator. I was like, how am I gonna sit here on the couch and just take a day to refresh and rest and do this out of the other? And she's out of school working. As a matter of fact, the company she worked for got a free employee because I would go on my day off and sit there with her and say, what can I do? Can you want me to fix a smart board for you? You want me to do this for you? You want me to train one of your teachers? Because I could not. My excuse was, how can I take a rest and she's at work? But I was supposed to because, see, today is my day of work. You guys are here because it's your day off, so you're able to come to service. I'm at work. Pastor, 
You're saying that you're working by preaching? Yeah, bro, this is my job. It is my calling. My calling is to pastor. And I have been blessed enough to be able to do it full time where I prepare, I feed, I do things, I counsel, I do all different stuff. So Sunday for me is a work day that actually starts at 4.30 in the morning. Not because that's when I prepare my preaching, but I get up at 4.30 to spend an hour or, or more with the Lord in worship and prayer in reading my Bible. And it has nothing to do with what I'm going to preach about. And then I sit there and go over my notes again. And how does it go? How do I want it? Do I want to tweak anything? And then I come and I deliver the message twice. And guess what? Usually when I get home after this, I'm done. I'm spent. So Sunday's not my day off. So I would be trying to schedule one during the week, but I'd be like, how can I sit there? I'd sit there and I'd have the, you know, Tom and Jerry, you know what I'm talking about? I'd have the little demon one say, condemningly, how are you taking time off? What kind of man are you? Your wife is working and you're sitting here on the couch. Guys, I'm being transparent. I had to repent before God because I was working myself to a death. People ask me, oh, you lost all this weight. Yeah, January of last year, there was a point that in between services, I went and laid down in my office because my head was hurting so much. I went home and my blood pressure was super high. So much so that I told my wife, drive me to the hospital. If you've known me for any amount of time, I can hold pain like anybody. I once went two entire weeks as a, as, as a, as a child with a broken arm because I, I just thought it was a sprained wrist and I just dealt with the pain. Two weeks. I can deal with pain. It's one of the reasons my wife says I can never go to Survivor or any of these shows because I'll be the medevac victim because I will go until I can't no more. Nothing was wrong with my heart. Nothing was wrong with my brain. Nothing was wrong in anything. I was overworking myself to death. I'm not preaching you something just, oh, pastor wants us to take time off. No, no, no. I'm preaching to you what I've had to learn and what some of you are dealing with right now. We're shortening our own lives. We're saying these things like, I will rest when I'm dead. But then we say things like this. Are you ready? That's in the commandments. That's under the law and we're under grace. You know what, you're absolutely right. We are under grace and we're not under the law. So let me give it to you in layman's terms. The law and keeping it is no longer the way that you earn heaven or salvation. But it's still God's principles for living a good life. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. They still apply today as principles to live by. Can I prove it to you? Come on, sing it. Say, and in, 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 the, in, in, the, in the comment box, put it, prove it to me. Say, prove it to me, pastor. All right, go back to the first three commandments. Let's, let's analyze this for a second. Don't worship other gods. I mean, there's a lot of people that worship other gods. They ain't living the best lives. A lot of false gods all around this planet. Don't make graven images. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Those are all principles that we should still live by today, isn't it? 
I mean, let's, let's go to number five. Honor your father and mother. Every parent says it to their children. Now, I'm going to clarify. Honor means to esteem, to respect. It does not mean obey everything they say. Look, I love my mom. I love my parents. Sometimes they tell me things that is not what I have prayed about and heard from God to do. So I will listen to them, but be like, it's not. And they may get mad. My dad tells me sometimes, I'm going to pull rank on you. How do you say, show me that. How do you, you go, I'm going to pull rank. Uh Uh-huh. And at times I've had to look at him and say, when we get out of here, you can pull rank on me, but here I'm the pastor. And this is what God said. True or not? I love you, dad. So it's a principle to live by. How about this one? Don't murder. Somebody can murder somebody, repent, still go to heaven because of the blood of Jesus. But guess what? You're going to pay the piper and you're going to go to jail. And you're going to spend time in jail because you broke a principle. And it's a good principle to live by. How about this one? Don't commit adultery. How many of you know that if I commit adultery, I am going to make my wife a murderer? And every wife said, Amen. Yeah, she's going to still go to heaven, but I'm going to get there sooner. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Good principle to live by. Don't steal. Good principle to live by. Don't lie. Come on. We say it to our children all the time. Can I tell you, that is one of my biggest pet peeves. You guys, if you ever need to talk to me about something, just tell me the truth. Don't lie to me. I got a radar for it with the spirit of discernment. And it will take a very, very long time before I will take anything that you say at face value again. You can ask my wife. Is the, that is the one, that for me personally, David Perez, don't lie to me. And we say it to our children, right? Don't lie. I tell my kids all the time, Abigail and Alexandra, don't lie. No matter what happened, you tell me the truth, we'll deal with whatever. Just don't lie. It's a good principle to live by. Can you agree? How about don't covet? Again, it's, you know, what does it mean? Don't envy what the other people have. Okay? So why is it that as Christians, we look at these nine as something that we should still follow and do as a godly principle, but to the Sabbath? We say that's Old Testament. That's the law. It got really quiet in this church. In your house, you probably heard a fly fly by. Why? Church, it applies today, and we need to take time off. See, people ask me the question, Pastor, what do you do on your day off? Robert Morris, by the way, a lot of this that I'm preaching... I read a book by Pastor Robert Morris. It's called Take the Day Off. He gives in there a lot of stories, which I'm going to talk about a little bit over the next couple of weeks. This is going to be a three to four week long series. Um, and I'm gonna, but a lot of it, I did that. I also read another book during this time called The Perfect Day Formula. Highly recommend it. It's a good book. I'm reading another one right now that I'm drawing. Oh, Atomic Habits. Really good as well. But anyways, Pastor, you're reading these books? Yeah, I'm trying to grow so that I can bring you green pastures that are tied to biblical principles. 
okay? For many years of my ministry in my life, I thought, well, I got to read the Bible. I just got to read the Bible and read the Bible. And yes, I do got to read the Bible. But there's a lot of things that are out there that's very important that we need to understand. And we do. In the, in the Perfect Day Formula, uh, Craig Ballantine is the author. He writes about uh, 10, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1 or something like that. And when I first learned, I was like, what are you talking about? Well, the 10 represented the number of hours before you go to sleep in which you should stop drinking coffee. It takes 10 hours for caffeine to get out of your system. 10 hours. Now, I'm a good Cuban. I've been drinking Cuban coffee since I was like four years old in my grandma's house in the little wooden huirita. I can drink a cafe con leche and go right to bed. Guess what? I may fall asleep, but my body's not going to rest and recover the way it was intended to because the caffeine is still flowing through my system. So one of the things in that book, The Perfect Day Formula, talks about 10 hours before bed, there should be no caffeine. It talks about the number of hours before bed where there should be no work. Number of hours before bed where there should be no screen time. And this is all based on research. Okay? So we stand on the word of God, but there's scientists and doctors that have been illuminated by the Lord to study certain things. Y'all know Luke was a doctor? Wrote the third book of the gospel? Gospel of Luke? The dude was a doctor. He was a physician. It's only more. Whatever. Got sung to it, but I'm not even going to try again. So, principles that we live by today. So again, the question was asked to Robert Morris, Pastor Robert Morris. What do you do on your day off? And he said this. He said, that's the wrong question. The wrong question should be, what don't you do on your day off? So what don't you do on your day off? Anything that relates to your work. For me, on my Sabbath day, I keep my phone on do not disturb. I do not check my email. As a matter of fact, I recently in the last few months opened a separate email for my personal things so that I'm not tempted, or not that it's tempted on that day, perhaps I need to pay some bills or whatever, so that way I can open that email and not get the church emails. For you, perhaps you're a teacher. We got a lot of teachers in, in, in our church. Taking papers to grade on Saturday and Sunday, you're breaking your Sabbath. Lesson planning on that Saturday and Sunday, you're breaking your Sabbath. You're in construction. That day, you don't do construction. Whatever it is that is your work, you don't do on that day. It is holy day to the Lord to be rested, to be refreshed, to be refueled. As a matter of fact, here, here's another little tidbit for you. And I'll ask you this. Does anybody know who's credited for inventing the assembly line? Credited, credited for inventing the assembly line? Henry Ford. Now, not only did Henry Ford invent the assembly line, Henry Ford is one of the first people that instituted a five-day work week in his factories. They used to work six days a week. Now, this is a little segue, and I'm going to talk about this more in the next couple of weeks, but right, it, it, about 20 years ago, even here in the United States of America, nothing was open on a Sunday. Now it's only Chick-fil-A and Hobby Lobby. <laughs> and by the way, Hobby Lobby is one of the most profitable stores every single year. 
There's, an, uh, there's a principle we're going to talk about on that in the next couple of weeks. So I'm not going to get in there now. Let me get ahead of myself. In a board meeting one time, he said, we're going to shift it to five days of work. And everybody on his board thought he was crazy. See, because he was saying, we have everybody, on the day that they're supposed to be resting, they're doing all their family stuff too. Imagine if you have six days that you are working, laboring in a specific job, then on that day that's supposed to be your day off is the day that you're doing everything else that you need to do in your house. Because, come on, man, we got to wash clothes, we got to wash socks, we got to hang the picture frame, we got to put up the rod in the laundry room. That's one of my to-do lists on my day off. Um, we got stuff we got to do. So he said, we're going to make people work five days and we're going to give them two days. One day that they can do their family stuff and one day to actually rest. Do you know what happened? Productivity and production increased. Do you know that it cost America about $150 billion a year for people who have to take time off, days off because of overwork? That's crazy, the staggering numbers. But God had a better way. So when we have five days of laboral work that we get paid for, use your sixth day as the day that is your personal day that you will do all your personal stuff. For me, this past week, Tuesday was our personal day off. You know what we did on Tuesday? We went and bought our car. Because it takes 17 hours. <laughs> Even when you got a hookup that they're waiting for you when you arrive. With the car, ready to go, right? Like it still takes a long time. And because we're under grace, you can split your Sabbath or change it up a little bit. What do I mean by that? Well, perhaps Saturday doesn't work because you had to work. So for me, I try to take two days every week. I don't hit it every week. I try to take a personal day and I try to take a Sabbath day. What happens, Pastor, if there's an emergency on the day of your Sabbath? Well, Jesus cleared that up. Did you know that? They asked Jesus one day, what happens if your donkey falls in a hole on the Sabbath? Your donkey falls on a hole in the Sabbath. And you know what Jesus said? If your donkey falls in a hole on the Sabbath, go in and get your donkey. It was an emergency. Now, can we add a little bit to that? If your donkey falls in a hole every single week, dude, go build a, build a fence. You get that, right? There can't be an emergency every single time you're going to schedule your Sabbath. If there is, you're a bad manager. So this week, we, we alter our Sabbath and our day of rest depending on the week. Sometimes I need to be here for a meeting. I've got a, 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 meet, a, a young adult service. I got something going on. So sometimes I would do my Sabbath from one day. As a matter of fact, the traditional Sabbath is from Friday at 6 p.m. to Saturday at 6 p.m., sundown to sundown. So almost basically splitting a day. That's the traditional Sabbath in, a Jewish, in the Jewish faith. Now, we're under the grace. So we can say, hey, you know what? I had some meetings scheduled till 3 o'clock on Monday, and then I have some something on Tuesday night. So from 3 o'clock on Monday to 3 o'clock on Tuesday, I am not touching anything. That's my work. So we did that this week. I actually, we're working. My wife and I, we work with it, right? She had women's breakfast yesterday. That is part of her job. She loves doing it. 
and I was studying that whole time. We were both up at 6.30 in the morning yesterday, whatever. I was studying for today. She was studying for women's breakfast to go deliver something to the, to the women yesterday, which I heard was an amazing blessing. I get to hear the message before she shares it. And then she tells me all about it afterwards. So Friday morning, I looked at her and said, we've got youth service tonight. You've got women's breakfast tomorrow. We need to Sabbath in the morning and then Sabbath after women's breakfast. She actually had a meeting scheduled for yesterday and she texted the person, can we please meet on Monday? If not, I'll work things around. The person said, yes, no problem. So you know what we did as part of our Sabbath? Yes, on, on, we did that Friday morning. We dropped the girls off at school. We reversed it. We dropped off Samantha first and then we dropped off Abigail and Alexandra and we drove down through Coconut Grove and we parked in a place that I didn't even know was there. I was going to go to Reynolds Park or whatever to walk, but I didn't even know that Miami City Hall is there. Bad Floridian, I guess. I, I didn't know. I thought that was awesome. Miami City Hall is there. In Dinner Key, I think it's called, or something like that. So we parked at City Hall. And for 45 minutes, we just worshiped and prayed, walking around City Hall, praying over every parking spot. It was an amazing time. Then we drove into the park. Then I drove to La Emita La Carida, right down the street. No lie, no lie. Pastor, you went there? Yeah, you know what God showed me when I did there? I remember my mom always telling me, I was born at Mercy Hospital. I remember her always telling me, I would take you there and pray. And I went there this Friday, and you know what the Lord showed me? I broke every prayer that you did there. 40 years old, I had never done that. But in my Sabbath of refreshing with the Lord, I walked around like Mita Caridad, breaking every prayer that she did out of good love and intention, but dedicating me to that saint. If I hadn't taken the time off, I might have missed it. Then we drove through downtown and to Wynwood. And I just realized I ain't lost nothing in Wynwood. <laughs> we drove around and saw the things. And I was like, all right, man, whatever. Okay, let's keep going. If you like that, that's, hey, man, that's all for you. That's fine, but I, I won't take up your parking spot. <laughs> then we kept driving home. And we got home and we broke fast because we had fasted. And we had, <laughs> tell them how much gas I saved. I did all that entire trip in one gallon of gas. We averaged 46.3 miles to the gallon on that one trip. Oh, should have bought a Shonda. Should have bought a Toyota. <laughs> no. I did buy it. No, all right. Then at about one in the afternoon, we started email and work. And then yesterday at 12.15, I didn't touch my computer again, and we watched Cheaper by the Dozen. We washed all the cars and vacuumed the cars. My wife, myself, and my three girls. Then we watched Cheaper by the Dozen too. Then we put everybody to bed and we went to sleep. Can I tell you, I woke up this morning 15 minutes before my alarm rang at 4.30 because I was refreshed. Because it's a godly principle that we still need to live by, live by today. If you get offended because I'm very transparent in the way I preach, I apologize. 
and I rebuke the spirit of offense. But I am teaching you from my heart what I've had to learn the hard way. Because we always find an excuse as to why not to do that which God told us to do. I just realized I've been preaching almost an hour. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray for the people in children's ministry and nursery. Bless them right now in Jesus' name. Worship team, come to the altar. Church, every single one of us has been feeling at different points this overwork. And every single one of us can think of right now at least probably 10 people, and I'm being conservative, that are experiencing it right now. You have a perfect opportunity to invite somebody to hear a message that's going to save their life next Sunday. As we continue to study and dive in what it means to be refreshed on the godly principle of taking a Sabbath. We can no longer exist ignoring this principle because we are literally taking ourselves to an early grave. I want you to stand to your feet because actually I know that this message has already been convicting some of you in the building and some of you that are online. So I want us to take a few seconds where we repent before God for breaking this principle. And we thank Him for His grace and for forgiveness. But I want you right there where you are, whether you're on our online campus or here in the building, I want you to close your eyes and raise your hands. And if you've been dealing with this, sometimes you go a week, two, three, four without taking a day. I want you to get right with God and say, God, I'm sorry for breaking this principle. Father, I'm sorry for even myself at times as I know that I struggle with resting. Forgive me for breaking your principle of Sabbath. And Father, I make covenant commitment with you, all of us here in the building and online to follow your ordinances and principles and take rest to walk in the fullness of what you have for us. In Jesus' name. Come on, can we just worship him there for a minute or two? Some of you I know are still talking to God right there.